welcome to the Live Your Bloom podcast, where I interview people fulfilling old dream seeds or planting new ones, regardless of age. Today, I'm branching out a bit and talking with former lawyer, judge, and law professor and author, Walter Bennett. Walter has published short fiction and essays in both print and online journals. Today, we will talk about his second novel called The Last First Kiss. Intrigued by the title? Well, it may sound like a simple love story, but I assure you, it is much more. Welcome, Walter. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Oh, I'm grateful that you contacted me, and I thoroughly enjoyed your book. As somebody who recently attended my 50-year high school reunion and connected with a former crush, I strongly related to a lot of your content. Well, great. You know, I think a, a lot of people have that experience. And with some, of course, it's, it's more moving and powerful than others. But I'm, I'm glad to hear that it made that connection with you. It's a totally different sensibility. It, it really is. At any age, you always love that feeling of being on fire and being attracted and all that. But it's an entirely different thing when you're a little bit older. Yes. Like, Once my husband and I were joking and he said, would you date? And I said, well, I would write my biography and they would have to have a test on the questions because I just can't talk about it anymore. (laughs) 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 I don't want to talk about all that stuff, you know. (laughs) You know, I always like to learn a little bit about the journey of the people that I interview. So could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to have this career as an author? Well, interesting question. I think that my writing career actually began way, way back when I was a kid. I I was raised in a Southern family and spent a lot of time with elders in my family in one setting or another, and they were full of stories. So I developed an ear for stories, and I began to see that as a natural way of expressing things. And to the point that I now think that's basically how I approach life. I tell stories about it and probably not always very accurate ones. So I think I was writing unconsciously at a fairly early age. I almost went to graduate school in English to become an English professor. It would have been a huge mistake, but I veered into the law instead, primarily because I wanted to get a job, and the law seemed like, and I'm talking about a trial lawyer now, which is what I was, seemed like a place that had story and drama in it. I don't think I would have articulated that at the time I went into the profession, but looking back, that was a huge attraction to it. So I think in that sense, my legal career and my career as a writer are very similar in terms of how you approach the story is very different, of course. And law is very linear most of the time, and you're not trying to create any sort of literary. So that's the gist of it. I, I was you know, raised in the Deep South, mm-hmm. and most of my stories and so forth are connected to the South in one way or another. I don't want to give the story away by any means, because I do hope we inspire people to read. It's well worth it. But I think that the subject matter can be most appreciated by mature people. But I always encourage um, younger people 
to develop a sensitivity and an awareness to these situations because one day they're going to find themselves in it. You know? Right. <laughs> you know? If they're lucky, they will. Yes. Yeah. And uh, there's so many things that I loved about the book, but the two main characters, Ace and Janelle, and then you have two ghosts, I call them ghosts. They're people from their past that tend to have a great presence there. It's interesting that you picked up on that. You're the first person I've talked to about the book that mentioned ghosts. And I think that's a very good way of saying or describing the two spouses who appear there only in memory and in Janelle and Ace's conversation about them. Uh, there are also other ghosts in the house, never, never really present, but Ace thinks they're there of his ancestors. Yeah. But yeah. And, and, you know, memories sometimes are sort of ghost-like themselves. Uh, so I appreciate that. that that's a yeah. contribution to my own thoughts about it. Well, it's one thing to have relationships that don't work out. And we, if we can get over them, best to get over them and not be haunted by what we should have done. But when it's a relationship that was ended for, some, for an unforeseen reason, it, it does stay with you and it does color your life. It colors your decisions. It colors your moods. It's always in your memory. I agree. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, I think particularly for some people, and it was certainly true of me, a relationship that went fairly deep at a very early age. And by that, I mean, Mm -hmm. 16, 17, when I was very impressionable and uh, undirected young man, kid, that really had an effect on me. It was life-changing. And so dwelling on the memories of that and going back and trying to understand exactly what happened uh, then seemed like a very worthwhile subject for yeah. a novel story. Quite a bit from your own experiences. I didn't draw anything literally from it, but mm. just from the memories and the sort of emotional whatever those mm. memories brought up, the emotional feelings, the sort of intensity of them, the tenderness of them, the hopefulness of them, and the feeling of loss of youth. You know, I mean, you fall in love when you're young. You cannot recreate that. I had a conversation recently with the first fellow that I went out with in high school. Have not heard from him, have not seen him in quite a long time. And we talked for a good two, three hours on the phone. And when we stopped, I said, I said, you know, you're really a very nice guy. We never had those kind of conversations. They were really very superficial. Yeah. And you're really a very interesting. You have a lot to say. And we laughed about it because we just realized that we become people with stories to share. And we had no stories back then, nor should we, you know. That's right. You know, that's but, right. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I guess that's why I didn't have stories. I didn't have much experience for that matter. No. However, you know, I think the, my main limitation, I was so wrapped up in my own angst at that time, I really couldn't see the other person very well. So I really never knew, and I think this is in the novel, I really never knew in, with any sort of insight how she was feeling and what was really going on when we were together sort of trying to Mm -hmm. make a relationship of it the best we could. 
that's putting it well, trying to make a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and then another thing that's beautiful in the book is that I, I was aware that the silences that occur, sometimes they're very comfortable with the silences and then other times uh, um, they're not. But uh, people that would date for the first time would be very uncomfortable with silences as if the conversation has to keep going on. Right. And I think it's really comforting to be able to just sit peacefully, quietly with someone and not have conversation, but just there they were down the shore and they were, uh, I think, that many different places on the deck or wherever, enjoying um, the silence you know, the moments, which could be very tense, but still it's just different from having a relationship in your youth or even in your mid thirties, say, you know. I agree. And I think that's an improvement. Oh yeah. Oh, it's just one of the best things to know that you don't have to keep that chatter up all the time, you know, right, right, right. you know, I, I really enjoy the character of uh, Faye Marie. She's the salt of the earth. She's just down home, real, and just says it like she sees it, you know, and I, I just enjoyed her character and she's so kind and she has such a purpose. Yeah. It's interesting in fiction. I have discovered that when I'm really in trouble with stories, sometimes a character comes along and rescues the story. And I didn't know how that novel was going to end. I never know how novels are going to end that I write. I thought I was working towards somebody. I didn't have a very good view of it. And I know someone like Faye Marie, and I heard that person talk uh, at a little gathering, and mm. I thought, and she actually does the kind of work that Faye Marie does, helping people. And I thought, wow, that's just perfect. And so Faye Marie is based on this person. And yeah, I thought she sort of walked in and and helped me finish the novel. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It was a nice, a, a bit of, of comedy in a sense, but we do know people like her. I, I particularly know a lot of waitresses, seasoned lifetime waitresses that have these wonderful dispositions because they're dealing with people all the time. And if they're still doing it, then they found a way to adapt to pe people's eccentricities, say, you know, with a lightness, you know. Well, I find it fascinating and envy people who have this capacity to endlessly give. And that's sort of the person Faye Marie is. Put her in contrast to some degree to both the other characters, Janelle and Ace, who are very wrapped up in themselves and their lives. And the idea, I guess, that their being together would help them to get out of themselves some and see each other. And then Faye Marie would be the next step to help them get yeah. out of themselves and see the community. Or... And she had the vision, you know, yeah. to, to yeah. see that. Also, of course, the timeliness of the background with the uh, upcoming hurricane coming. I'm in Jersey, so we just have been through that surprise of getting hit with not just a rainstorm, but, you know, pretty serious, probably the, the heaviest rain I ever remember here. Ever. Wow. And lots and lots of flooding, but and of course the damage down there. So I really was feeling it of choosing to stay in the house. And you described it so well. I could well imagine uh, what the beach looked like afterwards. Well, well great. I'm, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. I've never 
I've been in hurricanes, but I've never been in devastation, anything like that. Yeah. Um, I think the whole idea of setting this on the coast, and in particular, the North Carolina Outer Banks, was the idea of them being out there, sort of exposed, not only in terms of environmental conditions and what may happen with the weather and and what's happening, changing in our lives, but also in their own psyches and intellects. They are pretty much out there. So that was the idea behind that. And, you know, of course, um, sooner or later, a hurricane's going to come and and wipe out parts of the Outer Banks. inevitable. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That backdrop gave it that anticipation and the excitement. Chris, as I was reading, I, I didn't really know how much of a, a degree it would play in not just their relationship, but the actual physical setting. I'm trying not to give the whole thing away. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to do that because it's so nice how it reveals itself. Okay. You know, and I acknowledge the power and the wonderful thing of initial attraction, but But when old feelings are stirred up at a much later date, it can be joyous, but it can be very complicated for a multitude of reasons, health being one of them. Exactly. Well, I I hope to set them in that sort of twilight zone of uncertainty that I think old age brings on, maybe not for everybody to the degree it has for me, but I feel like I've stepped into a sort of a different zone where all of the assumptions I made about the future in my life were really not very valid anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so the idea is that uh, that they are, are there and neither of them quite sure what to do about it. I, I guess Ace is sort of planning to let things go as they're going. She has more initiative than he does, I think. And wants. But then he does step up in the end. Bit, yeah. you know? So when you write a, a story such as this, do you start with just the basis, just the characters, and you don't really know where it's going to go? You don't map it out? I try to map it out some. I envy writers who know what the last line is going to be and know exactly what the story is. I just don't work that way. I, part of writing a novel is discovering what the story is and that mm-hmm. means developing it as you go along of course that means you run into trouble a lot and you don't know where mm-hmm. the story is going you have to back up or pray that a character like Faye Marie is going to come in and, and rescue but I think at least in my case that's one of the things that really makes me right is to find out to discover the story and find out what these people are going to do now, this did begin with the, I, I had an experience, something like yours, <clears throat> went to my <clears throat> 50th high school reunion, or maybe in the one before that, and saw the uh, girl or woman, of course, <laughs> by then that I had uh, been in love with in high school. And we started, started up a email conversation about the old days and what we remember about it. So that idea was there. And then I a good writer friend of mine who visited a house that my wife and I own on the Outer Banks of North Carolina. He was saying how much he liked it. And I said, well, it's a nice house, but it's doomed because you know, sooner or later, uh, it's going to be washed away. Mm-hmm. And um, 
he said, wow, that's a great idea for a story. So there you I go. Put yeah. that together, the doomed house and the, mm -hmm. the old relationship. And that's, that's how it began. I like that. I like that because, you know, I'm a songwriter, so I find yeah. myself lately writing songs that are about this time of life, trying to pass on a little humor about it. I just finished a tango type of a song called I've Got a New Itis. <laughs> because... <laughs> and part of that started just by saying I made a list of things I would never have said at 21. And one of the songs I wrote was called I Like Big Print <laughs> because I can't read it anymore. And right. uh, so I'm working on that concept of just trying to find the humor because it's a fascinating time of life right now for me. There's a freedom and I just wish I could bottle it <laughs> yeah, yeah. and pass it on to younger people and say, this is really glorious. And if you could find a way of feeling this way at a younger age, it would, yeah. but you can't. That's, That's just right. part of the process, you know? That's so right. on my program, Live Your Bloom is for people that have things they want to do and they're not doing it. So sometimes people will retire and still have that thing. I call it a dream seat. A lot of people say they want to write and they don't. They don't because they're like, Where's it going to get me? What's going to happen with it? Will I be able to get an agent? Will I sell the book? And I often tell them I wouldn't even be thinking about any of that. I would just be thinking about if you've got a story, tell the story. Exactly. Do you exactly. have any advice that you can give to people who just keep procrastinating and they build that wall of expectation and fear? Yeah. You know, one of the, there was a book called... I'm forgetting now, but it you would probably recognize it. Anyway, it was to help you get started on things. And one of them was to get up in the morning before you really get, wake up, just get up, sit down and start writing, whatever comes to your head. When I used to get stuck, I would do that. Just write and you don't have to do anything with it, but it would get me started. And I think a lot of writing is giving yourself permission to do it. And not worry about whether you fail or whether it's not what you want it to be or whether someone else is not going to think it's mm -hmm. what they want it to be. It's just the process itself is <clears throat> rewarding in its own way. And if you start to get into it, then you start to try to figure ways to say what you want to say better in a more effective way. It's an infinite. Uh, well, you know that as a, as a, a writer as well. It's an infinite undertaking that will give you joy forever. Frustration also, but yeah. I, li I like uh, that of the first thing in the morning before you can build up the resistance or get exactly. lost yeah. or just get lost in tasks that take too long, could well be put off till later on. I, I often tell people, do the thing that's going to make you smile and then watch what happens after that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but don't judge yourself because um, if you're not an Ernest Hemingway, it's okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, exactly. it's really okay. Start writing. Just right. stop thinking, you know. Right. right. And there's the power of the 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes, you can get so much done. Yeah. And what usually happens when you give yourself permission to do that is the 20 minutes starts getting longer and longer. Right. And right. You start to get into it. Yeah. And it's joyful. And I also believe in 
Don't look to other people for support and strength and backing. You'll be surprised the people that won't support you and the people that will. So just do it for yourself. It will change the quality of your life. Exactly. I, I guess I would also add that I found a lot of help by going to good workshops on writing, getting feedback and, and trying to help other writers as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been members of just informal writing groups where we get together and share work. So that's another way to get support because it can be lonely um, if you're just working on your own writing. Do you find these groups online or do you find them through an academic setting? Or These are mostly friends I've made over the years who are writers. It's not always easy to get people together to do this. I found a group of, you know, five to seven people. Usually you can get enough people to share once a month and meet and, and yeah. talk about it. Yeah. Now, the other book you wrote before this one, am I right that it is more about the history in the South, I, I don't recall because I didn't it's read it. It's a novel uh, set in the deep South during the civil rights era. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it follows the story of a black kid and a white kid who are about the same age who were once chums as real small kids. And then of course they went their separate ways in the segregated South. Mm -hmm. And the novel takes place over the course of about 36 hours where these two teenage kids, their lives intersect again uh, and the time of uh, real heated civil rights battles that were going on in the town. And it's a very different novel from this one. Uh, mm. It focuses probably much more on race and issues of that era. But I'll bet that there are um, observations in that book that are pertinent to today that still apply now. I think so. I think it's very current. It's where it all began. And all those things that were going on, I mean, this was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, is where I grew up. All those mm. things going on there, which are frightening to think about, mm. are still going on today. And uh, all the issues are still there. And I remember that period of time. Of course, my experience in New Jersey would be different than Alabama. I would hope so. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Well, listen, all of your information about where people can get your book will be on the uh, podcast page. Great, great. So I thank you again. I enjoyed it so much. And I say that with joy because I get so busy sometimes with everything that I don't read as much as I would like to. And your book made me come back to it so that I could just experience that joy of reading. Well, great. It's great to hear that. That's a... Yeah. So thank you so much. I know that many of you listeners may have planted the dream seed of writing a book, an article, an essay, a script, a journal entry, or a collection of poems, but you just didn't get to it yet. Sometimes you wait so long that you second guess the validity of your dream. But trust me, it's not going away. There's a lot of support for budding writers on the internet and in many places that you can look bookstores, academic settings. Do it. Live your bloom. Thank you, Walter. Thank you. It's been great.